0: Hey, I'm Dave, and thanks so much for checking out today's message. We're so glad that you are here, and we would love to get connected to you and your family. So one easy way to do that is that you can text the word "River Connect" to 97000. You can also visit our website at theriverchurch.cc to learn more about us and some of our upcoming events. Lastly, if you would like to give today to the River Church, you can text the amount that you want to give to 84321, or you can head to our website, Click on the Give tab right at the top of the page. Thanks again for joining us, and we hope you enjoyed today's message. So uh, when we started this series, I kind of brought up this idea of uh, within family. I believe I see something where uh, a lot of people get uh, caught up, really uh, blinded by the journey. It's it's that keeping up with the Joneses mentality. It's that the grass is always greener. It, it's comparison. We start scrolling through uh, Instagram, Facebook, TikTok. I don't know what is trendy anywhere, but like you start seeing like those people, the goals they're waking up and they're, they're setting a display of all the books that they should have their kids be reading by the end of the day with their library of amazing kids-focused books. You, you see you see the moms who are waking up and making like fresh homemade goods every single day. And I already told you, I'm living that life right now because like I'm waking up every single day with like fresh bread and I'm like, score. <laughs> this is great for me. But when we start looking at people online, we start looking at people, uh, influencers, and we're like, man, There is something wrong with me. Because I'm not waking up setting books up for my kid. Like, I'm waking up just trying to get them out of the house. Like, you're waking up and you see the full spread of breakfast, and you're, like, throwing a Pop-Tart at a kid while they're running to the bus. Like, we start looking, like, why am I doing this wrong? You start looking at it inside of your marriage, and you start hearing, like, oh, man, care for your husband. Love your husband. Clean the house. Make sure everything's taken care of. And then your husband gets home and, again, kicks off his muddy boots, flies against the wall, trashes out, and you're just like, What is going on? You start hearing again, like husbands talking, like hearing about like wives are like, man, the house is clean. They're ready for you. They love you. Still going dates with you. And you're like, why don't I have that? But we start looking at this journey of going through family and we live in this weird like comparison and we almost become like obsessive over it. Because, again, we start looking at ourselves and, like, I can't do anything right. And one of the things that's, like, really been weighing on my heart over the last month is, yes, we preach the ideal family. We preach within the ideal marriage. We preach the ideal. We go to God's word. We read what God's word says. This is what a husband ought to be. This is what a wife ought to be. This is is what the relationship between uh, child and parent ought to be. That is the ideal. One of the realities, though... Is we can't live to that ideal. There is no perfect marriage. There is no perfect parent. There's no perfect kid. And I know that could be a really, really hard like shot for some people to know. But the reason is again there's sin. There's separation. So when we look at this, my my heart's been really heavy for like people whose marriage isn't this picture perfect thing. There's struggles. There's fight it, it could be hanging on by a thread right now and my heart's been just kind of going through like just looking at this like idea of, like man like we compare ourselves we get lost but like but that's not the way it was for me to be thinking about again your marriage isn't picture perfect there could be people who are sitting here and again like my my, my marriage completely dissolved in front of me there could be divorce again we got to be able to say that's not ideal that, that, that that's not God's plan for anybody after they get married but there's people who, because again, none of us are perfect, there is no perfect marriage, there's no perfect husband, there's no perfect wife, there's no perfect child, things can be less than ideal. But even looking at it again, this raising kids, and I'm in the middle of this, because again, raising kids is hard. I've said this a few times, like God gave them free will, and at the moment he decided to give a child free will, instantaneous war, uh, forever. Because your child has been blessed with the ability to have a brain and a mind, and they pick for themselves. And man, it would just be ten times easier if they just picked what you wanted, right? But sometimes it's kind of good that they don't pick what you want, because we don't want them to be carbon copies. We want them to be able to think for themselves. And again, we want them to be different, and they're fearfully, wonderfully made. But man, when you start looking at my my, my heart's been heavy for, again, like within marriage, within family, like... The struggle is there. But as I was working through this, even in the muck in the mire, even in the worst case scenarios, to say, hey, there is a reward that can be found inside a family. I, I hope you're like, yeah, there is. Yes, in my marriage right now, is as bad as it is, as fallen as it is, as, as broken as it is, you know what? I think that there, this is a reward. This is a good thing. I'm glad I still have that because a lot of times we start being like, yeah, God, you made a mistake. We start looking at it again. We start having another kid, and we're like, oh, God made a mistake by holding on to this kid. Why would he give me another kid? Like, Even in the muck and mire, even in the worst, even in the hardest situations, to be able to look at it like, where is our reward? And that, that's why I love the book of Ruth so much. Because when you look at Ruth, when you look at this entire story, it shows us how God uses the most broken of situations To bring out one of the greatest rewards, if not the greatest reward, of all of humanity. The book of Ruth is a perfect picture of the realities of family. Because there's struggle. There's hardship. It should create a sense of like, oh, I'm not the only one. Because a lot of times, like again, like we we all do this, nobody else is struggling in their marriage, just us. No, the reality is every marriage is struggling. Because no marriage is perfect. Even the ones that you're looking at, and you're like, that's goals, man. Grass is greener on the other side. They got it down. There's still struggle. They're still fighting. They're, they're still working through it. Why? Because there's sin still on this side of eternity. No parent has it down. And the, the weird thing is, like, I think parents are starting to normalize this. Like, nobody gets it. Parenting is just, again, it's high risk, high reward. And, again, the stakes are just higher. But, man... Nobody gets an instruction manual outside of the Bible on how to raise your kid. You can read it make sure you don't provoke your child to wrath. Okay, if they don't clean their room today, there's going to be wrath. Like we, we have moments like this where it's difficult, it's hard. But Ruth shows that, again, in this world of brokenness and difficulties and struggling, that doesn't take away the fact that God is still moving, God is still working, and God is still in our midst. Because so often when we see this isn't going the way that I think it's going, even when you can look at the Bible and be like, I definitely know this is not going the way that it needs to be going, that doesn't void God's sovereignty. That doesn't void God's guiding hand. But the difficult thing is even in the less than ideal, even in the struggling, we have to be able to see that God is working. So look at a, we'll, a little bit of a recap. When we look at Ruth, what do we see? We see an outsider, which is a Moabite. And I don't know if you've done your study or you've been coming to growth community on Wednesday. We talked about this like a Moabite, really, really, really bad lineage. And for those of you who know the Bible, started with Lot. You can go read the Bible to fill in the rest of that one. But this is where it starts. She's an outsider. She, she, she's, a, she's far from the Lord. And again, she, she's a person who is born not in faith. And she ends up getting married. But you see in Ruth's life, man, like she gets obliterated. And her husband dies. Her father-in-law dies. Her brother-in-law dies. And you got this young woman who's now like, ooh, What just happened? For us to be able to read this, Ruth had struggles. Ruth had pain. Ruth knew loss. Even again, we we talked about again, Boaz shows up. Let's not forget about the fact that she lost her husband in chapter one. Yes, Boaz, kinsman, redeemer, awesome, worthy man. He's there, he shows up. It's super romantic, but in the same way, how does the story start? First marriage, disintegrated, gone, out there. So you see, Ruth, she has issues. She has struggles. She's just like us. She struggles like us. She struggled like us. She had stuff go through her head. Where she's like, why God? She had to wander. She was alone. She, she had everything that was the same thing us. So when we look at Ruth, we see a picture of us. And then, again, where is that reward? In Ruth chapter 4, verse 13, it says, So Boaz took Ruth, and she became his wife. And he went into her, and the Lord gave her conception, and she bore a son. So there's the reward. And here's the quick thing. You're like, the, the reward's a husband? That's the reward? Again, a, a husband's the reward? Like the, the person who comes home, works eight hours, doesn't talk to me, doesn't take over the kids, throws his uh, dirty dishes in the sink, doesn't take care of the dishwasher, doesn't do the laundry, and he, he's just there. Reward. You're going to say, a kid, Obed, a kid is the reward? Now, again, I can see the blessing in this. But again, a child, every single parent here knows how difficult a child is. Because the moment you have a child, the reality is you no longer get what you want. You no longer get to walk around in your schedule. You have to put yourself second, and you have to take care of that child. No three-month-old, four-month-old, six-month-old, up to a year-old cares whether or not you're sleeping at 3 o'clock in the morning. If they're hungry, they're going to let you know the reward <laughs> it's difficult that's heavy but yes obed and boaz are the reward but it, it's a di- little bit deeper than just saying well her reward's a husband her reward's a kid now again those are rewards are there the truth to that? yes but ruth's reward was the fact that god would use her story of being a broken outsider to tell the story of god's redemptive plan For humanity. I read it this week where I was saying the book of Ruth isn't just Ruth's happily ever after. It's also about our happily ever after. So for Ruth, again, when we see what is the reward that is in family, God's reward to Ruth overflowed so much... That it wasn't just her reward that she had. Yes, she's been redeemed. She has a husband. She's got a place. But She has a son. She's been redeemed. She has a place. It's not just there. That reward overflowed so much. The blessing of God overflowed so much that it overflowed to every single person in all of humanity. In Ruth chapter 4, verse 18 to 22, we read and it says, Now these are the generation of Perez. Perez, father to Hezron, and Hezron fathered Ram. And Ram fathered Aminadab. And Amminadab fathered Nashon. And Nashon fathered Salmon. And Salmon fathered Boaz. And Boaz fathered Obed. And Obed fathered Jesse. And Jesse fathered David. Now for some of us when we read these like, again, you can see David. You say, whoa. That's like the man after God's own heart. Like he's the guy who killed the giants. Like he did a lot of good things. Like God used him. Like we see this and we're like, man, those are Superheroes. Now, I'll give you a heads up. These aren't superheroes because if you know how Perez's life started, not good. Again, go read Genesis. You can go jump in the Bible. You can figure these things out. These aren't just superheroes. These are ordinary people. These are real people. These are broken people. They're all broken. But they're all a part of Christ's lineage. Because if we jump to Matthew chapter 1, verse 1, it says, The book of the genealogy of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. And if you jump down to verses five and six, exact carbon copy of what the book of Ruth says. And Salmon was the father of Boab by Rahab. Boaz the father of Obed by Ruth. And Obed the father of Jesse. And Jesse the father of David the king. And David was the father of Solomon and the wife of Uriah. What do you see here? Oh well, man it's it's an overflow. Ruth is a part of the start of something amazing. The ultimate reward for all of humanity comes from the lineage of Ruth. And the ultimate reward, just to make sure we get that, oh, it's because it's recorded, oh, because they have a deep family tree. No, the reward, the ultimate reward, the lineage that is Ruth is the lineage of Jesus Christ. The ultimate reward that is found in the world is Jesus. The ultimate reward is that we know Jesus' love. We know Jesus' grace. This is one of the biggest ones. We know Jesus' forgiveness. It's one of those things. I've been living here a little bit. Again, confess your sins to one another. And also to go to like 1 John where it says, again, if we confess our sins to him, he is faithful to forgive us. I don't know what you're holding on to right now. I don't know what you're trying to like keep back from God. But again, if you feel that weight in life, the greatest reward we possibly can have is that we know that Jesus is faithful, loving, and he forgives us. But again, the ultimate reward that is found in Jesus is we have his word. One of those things, like, you realize like you have the ability to pull up on an app. An app. God's word. You, you can get it in a book. You can walk away with the creator of the universe's like, guide to everything. In the word of God that brings comfort, it brings guidance, it brings corrective, it it keeps us from just like going over in the ditch. Like because of Jesus, we have this. But I don't want to read my Bible. It's too hard. I don't get it. There's words in there. What does that mean? Now start reading it because one of my favorite things that I've had many conversations with a lot of people specifically here in Burton. When they start reading their Bible, that's in there. I didn't get that six months ago. I didn't get that a year ago, but I've been reading, I've been struggling, I've been doing that. Again, oh my gosh, it's brought me so much comfort. It's brought me so much closer in my relationship with the Lord. It's brought me so much relationship in my family's relationship. Again, that reward to know, oh my gosh, I can know the Lord of the universe better. That's a reward. And it only comes because of Jesus. But also again, the ultimate reward that is Jesus is that we can partner with him to see his kingdom established here. I don't know where you're at in life, but when you see new people kind of like start showing up to a location, does that excite you? Because it's not just like, oh, they're coming to church. Yay. No, no. It, it's God is doing something in their heart where they realize that they have to come and like, I need to be more connected with people. I need to be with people who can love me and pray for me and encourage me. It's not just, oh, man, we got more in our club. No. Because the only reason why people come and connect inside of a church is because God is doing something in their life. He's moving, he's stirring their hearts where they're like, I need to be a part of this. So for us, we get to be a part of seeing God's kingdom be established here. We get to grow together, we get to know him. Why? Because ultimately one day we're going to be a part of God's true kingdom where we're all together. Not just here. Different locations, different churches. Anybody who professes that Jesus Christ is king and the reward of the universe, man, we get to be a part of that. But Ruth, again, the reward of family is that if we keep the reward at the center, if we keep Jesus, if we keep God, if we keep repenting and believing, if we keep that there, we can set our hope that every detail in every person's story is a part of a larger story that is salvation, that is God's story. Because when we look at Ruth, we look at Obed, we look at Boaz, they weren't just a part of their story. They're a part of our story. That's the beauty of genealogies. Ruth's blessing. That overflowed, that reward was so good for Ruth, but that overflowed into us. That overflowed so we can know. But for us, so often, when we look at our lives, we start picking and choosing what details we want to say are a part of God's plan. Only the blessings I want, only the good times I want. Only the times I was super mom. Only the time I was firing on all cylinders as a dad. Like Those are the, those are the story. That's the storyline I want. But look at Ruth. Moabite. Broken. Death because Elimelech turned away from the Lord. None of that's good. But not only do we see that God puts blessings as a part of our story. He also puts Hardship. This is one of the hardest truths to get over because, again, if you don't understand that God has a purpose for pain, that purpose for hardship, that purpose for your wandering, he already knows you're going to do that. But when he lets you leave, the thing is he brings you to a place of emptiness and brokenness, and you realize just how much you need him back. And he doesn't leave you far because all you've got to do is confess and forgive me, let me come back. But while I was looking at Ruth, man, every detail of every person's story is a part of the larger story of God's story. That's Ruth. That's us. For Ruth, again, every single thing, well, she's a Moabite. She can never get closer to God. And man, it wasn't a crazy how God made a way. And all she had to say is, your God is my God, and your people are my people. And man, God just took her right into the fold. But for us, so often, we pick and choose what details we want to use. We pick and choose where we want to be. Well, that detail's not good. That not, we, we stay away from those. But the greatest story that has ever been made, and this is creation, this is existence, doesn't have you at the center of the story. It has God. Ruth isn't the center figure in the story. Boaz represents the central figure of the story. But the central story of all of creation, of all of existence, the greatest story is that it, infinitely powerful loving creator made everything and in that moment he said it was good and he placed us in a spot where we could thrive and we could prosper but most importantly we could be with him and then something happened we talked about this in the beginning we're all broken we all like our own way we're all prone to wander and adam wandered and god his most personal creation Again, this is the thing that is his own image. This is the thing that he breathed life in. This is the thing that he loved above everything. Yes, God created flamingos. God doesn't love flamingos as much as he loves you. But he breathed life. You're going to look like me. You're going to have characteristics like me. That loving creation that God made rebelled and walked away. And in that story, though, that's not where God left it. In this story, though, even in the story of rebellions, God's story was still being told. Because he says, I know how I'm going to bring you back. I'm going to send my son, and he's going to, again, his heel's going to get bruised, but he's going to stomp on that snake. In this moment, again, we see you are not the central middle of God's story. God's story is at the middle of God's story. Ruth isn't at the middle of God's story. So God, why can we say that every detail that is going in your life is all part of God's plan? Because it's not your story. You're just a part of it. It's God's story. Because at the end of the day, it's not every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that you are Lord. Every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus is, is Lord. The reward that we have in life. Now for Ruth though, like for us, like okay, so we're part of this lineage. Every detail brings us in and it brings us to a place where we're all telling God's story. Now for Ruth, again, she's directly part of the story of God. She's in the lineage. She's the great, grandmother of Jesus. Now for one of the things is, well how are we a part of this story? Now nobody here is going to be like the mother of the third coming of Jesus, because that's not what the Bible says. Jesus was born one time to his mother Mary. Emmanuel is with us. He's not coming back like that. But for Ruth, she's heritage, she's genealogy. But what about us? But we still all play a part in the story of God's redemptive plan for humanity. How? In Acts chapter 1, verse 8, Jesus says this, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all of Judea, and all of Samaria, to the ends of the earth. How are we part of God's redemptive story? By telling the world about what Jesus did for you. But this is where you got to know, what did Jesus do for you? If you're like, oh, Jesus, Jesus is the guy we talk about in church. Jesus is the guy that I drew a craft one time when I was in kids' ministry. I went to Easter that one time. I got some candy and I heard about this guy. got some nails through his hands, nails through his feet. Yeah, we heard about that. No, no. What did Jesus do for you? What have you witnessed Jesus do for you? Have you witnessed the fact that Jesus loves you so much in your rebellion, in your wandering, in your wretchedness, in your blasphemy, loves you so much that he brought you back to him? Have you witnessed the fact that because you trust that Jesus died on a cross, you've seen a change in your life? You've seen a change in your marriage. You've seen a change with how you raise your kids. Have you witnessed Jesus redeem and restore something in your life? I've witnessed that. Have you watched Jesus take somebody who was a former addict and turn them into something where they're preaching the gospel with boldness and clarity? Have you watched Jesus take somebody who's super, super shy, then all of a sudden they're up in front of people? They're proclaiming, they're singing about it, they're talking about them, they're teaching about them. Have you watched somebody who is so far away from God turn around and have their lives radically transformed because they know the love of Christ? They're vocal and they can't go anywhere without talking about it. So when we talk about how are we part of God's grand story, the reward is here. Because we know him, we love him. We care about him. We've seen what he's done for us. And we can't think of doing anything other than straying away from our king, from our war. Because again, that overflow that started with Ruth, when that overflowed to us, we're like, I now need to make sure that overflow for me is overflowing to somebody else. And I got, I got to go tell somebody. Yeah, you're wandering, man. You're broken, you're hurting, dude. You're full of anxiety, you're full of depression, man. You don't know what tomorrow brings, but I'm going to tell you where you can find peace. I'm going to witness to you what Jesus did for humanity. But for us, by telling the world about what Jesus did, that he came, he dwelt with the outsider. He dwelt with the hurting. He dwelt with the lost. He dwelt with us. He dwelt with us because he intended to save us, redeem us and restore us. That's the exact picture that you see in Ruth. That's the exact picture that we get to be now. So Ruth was directly part of the family lineage and the reward that is Jesus and for us. We're part of the same family. But it's no longer by heredity. It's no longer by, well, that's my great, great, great grandpa. Ephesians chapter one, verse four through seven says, even as we, he chose us in him, before the foundations of the world that we should be holy and blameless before him in love. He predestined us for adoption to himself as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace with which he has blessed us in the beloved in him. We have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of his grace. I don't know how you're part of the family. Yeah, you're not in the genealogy of Ruth. You want to know how you're in? Because you get to know Jesus. Again, that word adoption, I know that word means a lot to a lot of different people here. But that word adoption is so strong. That word adoption is so loving. That word adoption is so full of grace. Because, again, Jesus looked at us and he's like, you're a wanderer. You're fallen. You get... Come here. And by his love, by his blood, by the richness of his grace, he's like, you're in my family now. So while Ruth is a direct descendant of Jesus Christ and like a hereditary and a lineage standpoint, we are a direct descendants of that same promise because why? Because Ruth's happy ending, Ruth's happy, happy ever after is also ours. Because it all points to Jesus. It all points to God. But within our families, this reward should be the same thing. With Ruth's, that overflow, that overflow of a blessing, again, helped all of humanity and us. If we we're like, hey, I want that overflow for what God has done for me. I want that to be an overflow for my wife, for my husband, for my kids, for my next generation. For us, this reward needs to be the same thing. The ultimate reward for a believer is to be a part of passing on what we have witnessed God do to the next generation. You know how rewarding that is? You know how rewarding it is? if, Again, husband and wife, you look at each other, but you know what, we're gonna make sure the gospel is at the center of all that we do. The gospel is gonna be the center of the way we talk to each other. The gospel is gonna be the center of the way we work for each other. The gospel is gonna be at the center of how, how we spend time together, how we rest together, how we show our love. If the gospel is at the center and your kids start looking and being like, There's something different about mom and dad. They're loving. Full of grace. And dad's a butthead sometimes. But man, the way mom forgives him all the time. But when a marriage turns around and solidifies itself, we want to make sure that what God is doing between us overflows to our kids. Oh, that's a reward. Because then when your kids get married, they'll pick up those good things. Yeah, I never saw mom and dad fight in front of us. I always saw mom and dad forgive each other. I always saw mom and dad speak tenderly to each other. I always saw the gospel of Jesus Christ, the ultimate love in the world. I always saw my parents doing that. Again, the ultimate reward for a believer is to be a part of passing on what we have witnessed God do to the next generation. You're you're passing what you've witnessed, you're passing your story on to the next generation. So you're passing, man, I've seen God do this in my marriage kids, I want you to have this too. But when you start thinking about this, this is the same thing that God said in uh, Deuteronomy chapter 6. And these words I, that I commanded you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children. You shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise. You shall bind them on a sign on your hand and you shall... You shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them down on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. So what he's saying in Deuteronomy 6 is, do these things, do these things, do these things. The thing he says directly before that, love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. Because when you can pass on the love that you have to God to the next generation, that's the key. For Ruth... You saw how God passed that on to the next generation. Again, it goes to Obed, then it goes to Jesse, then it goes to David. It's that passing on that, again, we've witnessed God do something. But so often for us, the issue comes down that we just don't really know the reward. We think the reward is peace and quiet. We think the reward is just tranquility. We think the reward is I can just get in bed with my wife and there's no fighting for the day. We think the reward with our kids is like, man, they got some straight A's. The captain of the football team, again, they're doing great in life. They're popular. Like, Those aren't the rewards. We need to know the reward it isn't something of earthly merit. The reward is only found in Jesus. But the issue comes in as one, when we don't know the reward, and two, we don't pass on the reward. I think one of the things I see more often than not is For some of us, Gary's more responsible with passing on the, the the truth and the love of Jesus than we are. We as parents, we as grandmas, grandpas, we as aunts and uncles should be actively front stage right in the beginning of the trenches being like, you need to know this and I'm going to show you this at home. Yes, children's ministry, student ministry, great resource. The church, great resource. But if we're truly going to pass on and we're truly going to have that overflow of what God gave us, it starts with, is what God gave us an overflow in here? Or do we live it j- just enough? I, I, I come to church with my kid. That, that, that'll, that'll, that'll keep them connected forever, right? No. We've got to get to a point where we realize, like, your kids, I'll say this, your spouse, needs to see you opening up the Bible. Your spouse, your kids need to see you praying. Your spouse, your kids need to see that Jesus, the reward of what he has done for you in your life is actually like a defining moment for you. It's what you love. It's what you show. It's the thing like you have to be a part of that. But for us so often, we don't know the reward. And because we don't really know the reward, we don't know how to pass on the reward. And for Ruth, She didn't know the totality of what would be in line for her. But for us, again, we have the word of God. Ruth can go up, my grandson, he's going to be the savior of the world. She wouldn't have known that. But for us, we got to look at it like, well, we do know the word of God. We know that Jesus has come. We know that the grave was empty. And we ought to know and praise and worship and live lives for him. But a reward is never meant to be kept for yourself. A reward is always meant to be something that is given. A reward is always meant to be something that is passed on. Because a true reward overflows so much that it impacts the people around you. So, a couple weeks ago, uh, in the nighttime routine, you guys have heard me do this. Like, I'll go sit with Jet at first because for whatever reason, Jed's crazy with Kathy. He's not crazy with me. I don't know. He just, mama, mama, he goes to sleep. And then I get up, and I go take Kez, and I just kind of walk my way through each kid. I right? put Jed to sleep. Give him a kiss. Good night. Put Kez to sleep. Good night. And I get up, and again, no matter what, I always hear Broly, Dad, come and give me a blessing. And I always take a couple of minutes, talk to my son, pray with my son before I go to bed. Uh, but a couple of weeks ago, Uh, It really, really hit me because all of a sudden Broly turned around and he looked at me. He's like, hey, dad, when can you get baptized? And I've been that guy who I've been in the game too long where I've seen like little kids get baptized. And I was a student pastor and like I baptized the kids. And then like a year later, they're like, I didn't know what it meant. And I'm like, baptism is supposed to be one once and for all. Like It's not a redoel. Like, again, I will sometimes do two. You get a mulligan card. But I'm like... Son, you, gotta, you, get, you really got to show me that, again, Jesus rules your heart. You got to show me that the gospel has completely changed you life to death. You, you got to show me that the gospel is real. Because you can answer all the questions, dude. You got to show me this. But I started asking them questions. It's the simple questions, the same questions that we ask everybody. I was like, so oh, why, why do you want to get baptized? I want to be able to tell people that I know Jesus. I'm like, hey, got one right. Okay, move forward. I was like, well, what did Jesus do for you? knows the church lingo. He's a PK of PKs, man. He's a pastor's kid. He's like, oh, I know that Jesus Christ came. He died on a cross. He rose again three days later. And I was like, well, what does that mean? Why, why, why is that impactful for you? He's like, well, because of that, I can be saved. I'm like, man, question number two, you got that one again. I was like, but why is it real for you, son? And this is where he got me. He's like, because I see it's real in you. I was like, oh, I'm down. Like I, oof. I went down. I was like, why is it real for me? He's like, well, you're a pastor. And I'm like, well, that don't mean anything. I was like, I could be an idiot. of a pastor. You wouldn't know any better. You think I'm your dad? But he's like, no. He's like, but you tell other people about Jesus, dad. You work hard. You do it. And I'm like, oh, my gosh. But I came to the realization. While I was looking at the, the why are rewards so important? Why is making sure that Jesus is a reward so much for you? Because of that moment, I, I look at my life, and I looked at what Ruth, dude Ruth went from outsider, broken, away from faith. Man, she went through it all. But I got to imagine at some moment, if Ruth is up in heaven, she's looking down. But because of the lineage that Jesus and because of that thread, Ruth is like, you know what? I'd go through all that again if it meant so many people could come to know Jesus. And I had that hit, man. I've gone through the junk. I've gotten, been through the muck and mire. But if it brought me back to a place where my son could see how much Jesus has changed me and he wants to give his life in obedience to him, I was like, I will go through every muck. Every mire, every hardship, I will take it on the chin every single time if it brought me right back to you. I wouldn't change a thing. And I know for some people, again, there's tragedies in life, there's hardships in life. I'm not making light of any of that stuff. But for me, the reward of Jesus is so great that the gospel means so much that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life for the son of man did not come to condemn the world but came to save it. If that reward of Jesus Christ is so great, that overflow from us needs to be given to people. And the best way for us to be able to tell whether it's a reward is, again, when we look at the hardships, when we look at the muck and mire, when we look at the bad thing, because he loved us so much, he predestined us for adoption. We are in now. But now we can tell other people about how great he is. As much as I'm looking at my son, I'm like, dude, why you got to do this to me right before I go to bed? You know, I don't like getting emotional. But when I looked at him, I'm like, he sees the reward. And I started thinking about this. Well, one day he's going to have a kid. I pray to God that again, because the reward is so great for me and I let it overflow so much in my life, my son knows that reward. And I pray to God that my grandkid knows that reward. And I pray to God I can love Jesus so much that again, my son knows it, my grandson knows it, my great-great-grandson knows it. Because again, what my son sees isn't a lineage that is built by genealogies. This is a lineage that is built because of the cross of Jesus Christ. And if we truly have that reward, Church, it's our opportunity to be telling people. And they don't have to be your sons or your daughters. They could be your coworkers. They could be your friends. Because, again, anybody can be grafted in. Because if you walk up to somebody and you tell them what you have witnessed Jesus Christ do for you, they can accept and believe, and they can be grafted into this family that we have that is church, that is a called-out royal priesthood. So I want to challenge you. I want to push you. I want to prod you. I want to poke you. I want to bring out some sort of repentance in you. I want the Holy Spirit to convict you. But if there is something in your life where it is causing you not to see Jesus as the ultimate reward in your family, give whatever it is, whatever distracting, whatever activity, whatever it is, and make sure that at the center of who you are, Jesus Christ is that reward that exists. (laughs) Thank <laughs>